I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. From Barangaroo Studios, the AusBiz COV is the key stuff you need to know about the day in business and finance. Welcome to the COB. It is the Tuesday and it's the 29th of September 2020. I'm Nadine Blaney here with Scuddy as per usual. Actually, I've had a couple days off. So yeah. yeah How I mean, are you? Leave, leave me in uh, to my own free will and do everything else. But I know I've had a lot of fun with Ingrid, but of course it's always great to have you on the other uh, podcast with me. Yeah, well, because we cover so much ground together in a day. Today, a day where we saw the markets, well, definitely a negative tone. Um, throughout the day. So the XJO ended pretty flat. The X2C was off by about four tenths of 1%. Um, you know, quite a lot of, of company moves that were happening under that sort of index level. And you've got to think that tech and the buy now, pay later pl- uh, space did pretty well today. But now the banks, once again, underperforming. Yeah, so they are, we're talking in the last couple of days about how good a rebound we saw on the other banks, particularly on Friday following the change to uh, responsible lending laws, but that has slowly been whittled away and I wonder how much of an influence the Bank of Queensland uh, update had on that today, obviously flagging some impairment charges, uh, really casting a doubt about some of the optimism I think that people were thinking when it came to the property market uh, and maybe a bit of extrapolation was uh, was seen across the broader banking sector that may have led to those, uh, those uh, retracements we saw today. Over the course of the session it just continued to slide, didn't it? So. Uh, Interesting one to go watch, particularly in light of what we saw in Europe and uh, in the United States overnight, where the banks were amongst the other standout performers. Yeah, Bank of Queensland was actually one of the worst performers. It was down by 7% after revealing those uh, provision levels for the first half. So that's what I think is interesting about it, is that, you know, this is not talking about when loan deferrals come off, when all of those customers are chased down and the conversations are had. This is very much a reflection in that provisioning of the first half. So Bank of Queensland was one of the worst performers, as I mentioned today. We had a chat with um, Steve Johnson. He is CIO at Forger Funds. And he says, look, don't get blinded by that bump that we saw on Friday. He says that the big four banks here do not represent good value by international comparisons. And remember, he is a value investor, but that's gotta be the thinking behind why, you know, really anybody would get into the banks, especially when you had Morgan Stanley today cutting its dividend outlook for Westpac. I believe it's now expecting, let me just double check it, Westpac to be paying a 25 cent dividend when um, it reports, well, it's pretty soon to be next month. Yeah, it's no surprise to the banks, like having, having been in banking for a period of time in Treasury as well. Uh, you go and look at what's going on. You've had deposit rates basically next to nothing for, uh, no, for a few years now, but you can't reduce them into negative territory. But you've got lending rates coming down as official interest rates are cut by the RBA. So you can see that funding squeeze and the net interest margins are really getting pummeled. Then you overlay on top of that you know, a whole bunch of regulatory costs as well. Uh, it's clear that uh, there's some pretty stiff headwinds for those lenders uh, with or without uh, the changes to those laws. Yeah, so Morgan Stanley does see that uh, Westpac would lower its second half dividend to 25 cents per share, so that's down from 30. 
um, because of the prudential regulars 50% payout ratio cap and um, considering that there's a potential for larger write downs and you know that provisioning that it's had to make in relation to the Austrac charges but it does say Morgan Stanley that it's probably unlikely that it will defer its dividend payout. So the banks, yep, the banks were down today, all of the big four banks ending in negative territory. And as I mentioned there, we saw Bank of Queensland, one of the worst performers. And incidentally, you can listen to that uh, interview that we've got with Steve Johnson via the show notes. It's on our website and our app. Scotty, I'm gonna just jump ahead to tomorrow because yeah, it's the first US presidential debate. I can just get fireworks going off in my head right now. Uh, you and Alex Pakoulis had a good chat today. He's from Lippmann Bergman and Partners. And uh, you both agree that it's probably more theater, more entertainment value than you know potentially market catalyst. However, market watchers will be watching it close, closely to help form their view of who might become the next president of the United States. There will be, but I'm not sure how much of the upper electorate it's actually going to go and change the other uh, votes. I think there's a lot of people have already made up their minds when it comes to this election. People have had a lot of time to go and think about uh, who the candidate will be and also which way they want to go and vote. But you're right, uh, it's going to be uh, no, a lot of bluster, no, a lot of blows, uh, not hopefully physical, but so no, uh, metaphorically speaking, when it comes to it, I know, uh, back and forth between the two candidates, we know that uh, no, they don't really like each other too much. Uh, so it will be very interesting to go and watch. <laughs> yeah, uh, no. But uh, look, I, I'm still of the view that it's, uh, it'll be great entertainment. We know that uh, Donald Trump is the ultimate showman uh, even before his time in politics. So no doubt I'll be uh, no plenty to go and talk about. Because it's such a tight presidential race. I mean, these guys need to take every opportunity to make the other one look bad. It feels as if this time around it's not even so much about selling your own policy, is it? It's just about... Um, whether or not Americans need a change, uh, a, you know, a, a return to some sort of normalcy when it comes to the U.S. president and the normal modus operandi of the White House. Yeah, I'm not sure whether the world's ready for it yet. Uh, I think uh, so many people are used to uh, Donald Trump's way of doing things over the past four years. If he gets voted out, it's going to be a really strange kind of scenario. There won't be politics to go and talk about for quite some time. No, least, there will be. At least, in the United, <laughs> least in the United States, well, at least, maybe for like a week or two. But uh, really interesting to go and see what happens. But the one thing, uh, as we see every single time ahead of one of these uh, elections, is that there is mountains and mountains of, uh, of coverage coming out from various analysts around there trying to go and you know, get the inside running as to who's likely to go and win based on the polling numbers. And I wish everyone would just stop doing it because we have seen time and time again over the past five years or so that there is just absolutely no way you can trust the polls. Uh, there seems to be you know, a slight bias in almost everything when it comes as an aggregate whole towards more conservative views uh, rather than, uh, oh, sorry, towards more progressive views over conservative views. And uh, the same thing has been shown again today. If that thing continues in this occasion, given where the polling numbers sit today, it just looks to be an absolute line ball call. And uh, who knows what that's going to bring. Obviously, there's a lot of people out there who wonder about, you uh, know, contested election and everything that that may bring with it is a big risk. So one to go keep an eye on. But no, I think everyone out there, I know that you're trying to go and make a difference, but if you're analyzing the election polls, I think you're wasting I time. think everybody though, when they talk about polls these days, it always has that caveat. Oh, but we know that they're not always, you know, correct. Yeah, this in is the, the thing, like, no, so I'm not a very smart person. I'm, granted, I'm not very smart, but these people are smart individuals and they're writing that. They're saying like, oh no, the, the polls can't be trusted, but they must be putting so much time and effort into coming up with these ideas. Like I'm watching these beautifully well-crafted things 
And it's like, seriously, we know that the polls know, have been so poor, but they still do it. And so, look, uh, you've got to go out there. You've been told by your boss, you've got to go and uh, do something for the US election. I sympathize with you. But uh, in the end, uh, we won't really know, maybe until like a well past November 3. I don't think the polls are going to give us any real clue at the moment as to one way or another. It's going to be tight one way. Okay. A uh, couple other interviews that we did today. Pretty interesting stuff. We were talking to a small cap lithium miner that uh, produces or is looking to produce in the US, but is Australian listed. And its share price is up 236% after making a deal with Tesla. I said to Keith Phillips, who's the CEO of Piedmont Lithium, you know, you put your name, put Tesla in a release or in any sort of market announcements and uh, good company to have. That's a really interesting story. The share price rocketed ahead of that announcement. It was pulled up by the ASX, then the announcement came out. Uh, and interesting that the company said that it's only gonna represent about 20% of potential revenues, because of course it's not even in the production phase. So we just saw this mammoth gain, and I think you're, uh, you're exactly right. You mentioned Tesla in a, in a release, and it just goes nuts. I'd love to go and see what's going on in some of those uh, stock market forums at the moment, but we saw a similar move uh, in its US listed entity mm -hmm. shares last night, and that just carried on again today. So massive gains, so much excitement about the lithium uh, story, but then look at the lithium price, mm -hmm. I dare say that, and that's not a bullish story. So very interesting uh, dichotomy and want to keep an eye on, so stay safe out there. Yeah, you can uh, listen to that interview via the show notes or on the website or the app, but um, he's definitely a believer in the battery technology going forward and the demand that that will um, yeah, generate for the company. And uh, yeah, it's a good interview, you should listen to it. We've also had an interview up on the newsletter at least, and that's with Sean Fenton. So he is from Stage Sage Capital, portfolio manager, also the MD there. And he talked to us about some of the reopening thematics, which continued to you know, play out today on the share market. We saw Sydney Airport and Qantas in particular doing very well as we had talk of a travel bubble happening with uh, New Zealand in particular. But he said the more difficult a reopening thematics to, yeah, to really trust in are the REITs and transport. And that's despite the fact that Scuddy, you know, I've been having a few chats with people around Barangaroo lately and they're starting to call their employees back into the office under safe conditions, of course, and if they so desire. But yeah, you're starting to get the sense that um, more and more people are heading back into the city. I like it. Maybe they're reading my view from a few weeks back. Oh, or, or, it's all up or, to you. Or, 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 or maybe not. But uh, no, it is good to see people back in the city, although it's uh, still nothing close to normal. But it's really interesting to see what the future holds. I, I wrote many months ago that I think the future of the office, uh, as it was pre-pandemic, is well and truly dusted. Uh, I cannot see it going back to you know, sardines you know, being stacked on top of each other in, uh, in office towers. And I certainly don't think we're going to have to require more space in terms of office footprint, maybe the same office footprint and less people in it, but to a lot more people working flexibly around uh, the country to go and do the same job. And we've seen time and time again over this era, we, uh, we speak to so many guests uh, who are still working at home many, many months after this pandemic first began. And that's telling you everything you need to know about yeah. what the future of the workplace looks like. Some like it like. though, some don't. But we did also speak with Stuart Ayres. He's the Minister for Jobs and Innovation and Tourism. And Western Sydney. And Western Sydney here in New South Wales. And he said that the state government is going to lead by example and start bringing people back into the CBD. He said the CBD is an economy in and of itself. In fact, Sydney economy is probably one of 
the most important in uh, in the country. So I think that interview should be up on the website as well if you're interested. We were talking about getting people back into stadiums and events and all that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, and talking about bringing down the uh, the state borders. And uh, I've got to say again, four days in a row in New South Wales, zero coronavirus cases in the community. Uh, I still am baffled. I know what's uh, I know the real reason what's going on, but I cannot believe to this day that the Queensland New South Wales border is still shut. Uh, We've got New South Wales school holidays now starting up this week. Uh, the inability to travel, we're bailing out the, uh, the tourism and travel sector because of what's going on. Just open the border up, it would solve so many issues when it comes to supporting those industries. Don't I know school holidays are on. I've got to run and pick up some kids, but uh, I know there's plenty of people listening that are hanging out for the stock of the day. I wasn't gonna forget it, it's Simic Group. How could I forget Simic Group? It's a 50% owned associate. Venetia has won a $124 million contract extension with the New South Wales Land and Housing Corporation. So that was the hook to get in. But this is also one of those companies we'll start to watch with a little bit more interest as we lead up to the budget next week because we're expecting to see some big infrastructure spending. So Kashi sat down with his guests, Mark Moreland from Team Invest, Tim Haslam from Catapult Wealth. Tim starts off by giving his views on Simic Group. We think that with the September budget, maybe they might get a kick, and certainly this is good news for them. On the, but what they need to do is when they win contracts and they tender for it, they just need to get the, the budget right for it. So it's, it's essentially a, a very risky, low margin, you know, 5% margin business. Um, we, we certainly think it's a buy based on valuations, but investors just need to be aware of what they're buying. It is, it is on that riskier side of things. They also report their, their end of financial year is the end of uh, is it is December, right? So they haven't reported lately. So we, we don't have a, a real a take on uh, what's going on, and you won't until the annual the annual report comes yeah. in, which will have full full coronavirus in, impact. Yeah. Uh, it's currently on a PE of three point seven, which yeah. which is really low uh, for them. Their average is, is usually about twelve fourteen if there's their normal PE. But it actually looks pretty pretty cheap on balance. I think if you, if you're willing to accept the unknowns and assume that they're going to be uh, positive even without high growth but just if they get back to business as usual then you know you you probably get a 20% return. So that was Mark Moreland from Team Invest finishing the thoughts there on CIMIC the ticker code as you probably know is CIM and I think Scuddy that was a I think that was a risky buy from Uh, both of the guys. A high risk buy so I reckon maybe for the uh, hypothetical portfolio out there maybe that means we go and buy an out of the money call option on Simic Group and see, uh, see what happens. <laughs> We've got our own little thing going on, Scotty and I. Anyhow, let's move on from that. Uh, tomorrow we get the Chinese PMI. Thank you very much, 11 o'clock. Um, You're hanging you, out for it. You, you, you wanted to go get it 24 hours earlier. I was so excited for that that I got a little bit ahead of myself. Today we get private sector credit. Yep, was also clearly confused as well. And building approvals. So lots of um, local data to chew over. Not really necessarily market moving, although the PMIs from China will likely, um, yeah, it might set the tone at least uh, when it comes to commodities. Yeah, second time's a charm, Nadine, so we'll, uh, <laughs> we'll have a lot of fun. Hey, with. no one's perfect, yeah, the, right? The, the, Except the, for you, of course. No, I'm, <laughs> anyone who's seen me on air knows I'm definitely not, not, uh, not uh, absolutely uh, 100% any stretch of the time. But yeah, the, uh, the PMIs out of China will always naturally go on with some interest. Uh, I always look to uh, the construction PMIs uh, in particular because I know it's so important when it comes to uh, commodity demand and the like. So to me, as an Australian investor, that's what I like to go and look mm-hmm. at. And I actually prefer nowadays to go and sort of 
buck away from the uh, the manufacturing PMI and look to the services PMI because yeah. it's more representative of the uh, the Chinese economy and it includes things like the construction sector. So one to keep an eye on the uh, manufacturing. Obviously, we're going to get lots of uh, attention as always, though. Okay, we've got uh, John Kelly. He's the CEO of Atomo Limited. So we'll be talking about that COVID-19 rapid test partnership that it's got going on. Uh, we will be speaking with the global head of metals and mining at EY, Paul Mitchell. Looking forward to that. As well as, yet a little bit later on in the day, Alan Shields, who's the CEO of RFI Group. So we'll be talking about lending data, um, really to talk about some of those COVID-19 trends in consumer banking. But there's so much color that's happening around that. We're really looking forward to it. As always, um, yes, yeah, Scotty, should we do it all over again on a Wednesday? Yes, yeah, so I'm looking forward to hump day and hump day uh, around the, the middle of the day as well with the, uh, the debate. So I'm looking forward to tomorrow. Oh, yeah, the debate. One. Boy, get your sleep. See you then. See ya. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.